everybody, and welcome to a Friday football game preview edition of the Just End the Suffering podcast. I am your host, Jared Levison. And guess what, folks? December football is here. We wanted to play meaningful games in December, and the New York Jets are. Can those baby Jets rise to the occasion and win the games necessary to get us to the promised land? The place we have not seen since 2010, the playoffs. This game against the Vikings is the just first of the two biggest games of the season. We have New England, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, all vying for playoff spots against the Jets. And now this week against the Minnesota Vikings would make a win at Buffalo an absolute must to make our playoff chances a lot easier and help stave off New England. And what also makes this game very interesting from the Vikings' perspective is that they have a chance to win the NFC North with a win and a Lions loss or tie, or a tie and a Lions loss or tie. So I'm fully expecting a hungry and ready and fired up Minnesota Vikings team. Can Mike White continue his fairy tale performance against a horrid, not horrid, but a questionable Minnesota Viking defense? Will Justin Jefferson get lost in the sauce? Jefferson, who's caught at least six passes and tallied at least 98 yards in every game so far this season, minus, you know, against Dallas, Philadelphia, and the Lions, versus Sauce Gardner, who. His stats before the Patriots game, he was number one in coverage per pro football focus with a 90.4 grade, and it was number one in PBUs for you layman is pass breakups with 13, and in man coverage this season prior to the game against Chicago and the game against New England had allowed four catches for 28 yards. The nation will be watching on Sunday. The Jets at the Vikings will be CBS's number one game broadcasted through the majority of the country. December football is here, baby, and the New York Jets are playing in it. What's not to be excited about? I'm freaking pumped for this game. And now playing the Minnesota Vikings... There's not a lot of history between these two teams, but the Vikings have been around for a while, and they have quite a lot of history. The New York Jets lead the all-time series 8-3-0, which is surprising because you never think of the Jets leading an all-time series versus any team. But the Vikings have won the last two contests between us, most recently a 37-17 drumming of Sam Darnold's Jets at MetLife Stadium, and in 2014... Geno Smith lost to Teddy Bridgewater 34 to 20, 34 to 30 in over 24 20 in overtime at the University of Minnesota Stadium. Because at that point, the current stadium where the Vikings play, and blanking on the name of it at the moment, hadn't been built yet. It was still in construction. The game was played outside in one of the coldest environments you know, in the game. 
And I just want to make a point before I get in the keys of the game and my prediction and everything. I just want to make a point about the Minnesota Vikings in somewhat defense of the hate and the mockery that us Jet fans get for, you know, the dysfunction and embarrassing plays that happen to us, you know, that seem to happen to us every single year, every single game. And that if the Minnesota Vikings were in a huge media market like New York and people cared about whatever happens in the land of the lakes, then the Vikings, I think, would be in the conversation for one of the most cursed franchises in the NFL. Now, I say this, you know, for NFL scholars, reporters, people that cover the game, I'm sure are well aware of the turmoil that the Minnesota Vikings have gone through. But to the casual observer, the people that you hear from at work on Monday, the guy that you're like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about, to the one who just, you know, loves to get under your skin for little reasons, for the 12-year-old kid that you see, you know, walking down the street and you're wearing your Jets jersey and he laughs at you. They think, you know, Minnesota is just like, oh, just another franchise. There's nothing too crazy about them. So I want to point out a couple instances, there are a lot of them, where the Minnesota Vikings have been almost as tragic as if not embarrassing as the New York Jets. The first one, the wrong way run, which in my opinion is way worse and a lot funnier than fumbling into an ass. Jim Marshall, a Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman, recovered a fumble and returned it 66 yards in the wrong direction. He ran over half the field, not knowing he was going the wrong way. Think about that. Mark Sanchez was just trying to slide and get done with the play. This man was so oblivious, he ran 66 yards over half the field in the wrong direction, thinking he'd scored a touchdown. Then he threw the ball out of bounds in celebration, and it turned turned out into a safety against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, over half the field the wrong way? And you don't even realize it? That's pretty embarrassing. And it's not talked about enough. The Vikings were also the first victims of the Hail Mary, or at least to the play that coined the term Hail Mary. Um, In a 1975 playoff game, Roger Staubach threw a Hail Mary, the most desperate pass, a miracle pass to Drew Pearson, shout out New Jersey, uh, for a touchdown. And it was the game, the play that that coined the term Hail Mary. Also pretty embarrassing. And, you know, Minnesota, they may have some things on us, but there's one thing that a couple franchises, and they can laugh and laugh, but there's some things that they just don't have on us. And one of those is a ring. Granted, the Jets won the Super Bowl back in the 68-69 season and haven't been back to the big game since. But Minnesota's been to three Super Bowls. Actually, no, check that. Four Super Bowls. 
and lost three of those Super Bowls in the span of four years. And not only did they lose, they lost all those Super Bowls in an embarrassing fashion. Just got the piss kicked out of them. In 1970, they lost to the AFL's Chiefs in the last AFL versus NFL championship game, which is now called Super Bowl IV. They lost 23-7. In 1974, they lost to the previously undefeated Miami Dolphins, 24-7. In 1975, they lost to the Dynasty Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers, 16-6. And in 1977, they lost to the Oakland Raiders, 32-14. And in that game, we got the really famous NFL Films clip of Willie Brown streaking down the sideline, scoring a pick six, probably one of the most famous shots in NFL Films history. And ever since those losses, Minnesota has never gotten back to the Super Bowl. They had Brett Favre make one of the stupidest throws he ever made in his career in the NFC Championship game against the New Orleans Saints in overtime, which eventually lost them the game. They let Randy they, they had a Super Bowl contending team with the likes of Randy Moss, Chris Carter. And then they had this guy, Gary Anderson, who hadn't missed a kick in two years. And in the NFC Championship game in 1998, Garrett with the Vikings up seven against the Atlanta Falcons, he missed a field goal to put the Vikings up 10. And the Falcons went on to win that game in overtime. He hadn't missed a kick in two seasons, two whole seasons. Gary Anderson did not miss a field goal, and he missed it in the biggest spot of his whole career. So four Super Bowl losses, no wins. Heartbreaking championship game losses. The Hail Mary. A 66-yard wrong way run. Viking fans, I feel for you. But you have no right to give us any shit. No right at all. So, if we win on Sunday, which I'll get to if I think we will, I don't want to hear anything about, ooh, at least I'm not a Jets fan. You got it pretty bad, so shut up. Anyway, moving into the game, my favorite segment, the only segment that really matters on this show, the keys to the game. And my first key to the game is Mike White versus the Vikings pass defense. Now, the Vikings pass defense is the worst unit in football. They're 32nd in yardage allowed, 24th in coverage per pro football focus, and 27th in DVOA, which is a brand new adjusted stat that accounts for Yards and plays let up on, you know, third and fives versus first, you know, first and tens. I could explain and get into it, but I like to keep these episodes short. So I'm going to look it up yourself. DVOA. It's a next gen stat. And they also allow an NFL high 8.25 yards per pass attempt. And only three teams have allowed that many yards per attempt in the last five years. And you want to know what the record of those teams were? 14 and 34. So somehow this Minnesota team has only lost two games so far. It's 
beyond me. I, I don't know how they've done it. But somehow they've found a way. Another big thing about this Vikings pass D is they're very vulnerable to play action. Per True Media, no team has been worse against play action ever. Not ever. In the league. They're the worst defense against play action in the NFL. On play action plays, they allow a league high 9.17 yards per play. And they're giving up first downs on 53.3% of snaps when opposing teams use play action. And if you look at their win over New England Thanksgiving night, the Patriots with Mac Jones had 11, averaged 11.43 yards per pass attempt on play action. And on play action, Mac Jones had a 148.8 passer rating. Maybe Mac Jones looked like a god. And Mac Jones isn't the only guy to have success in play action against the Vikings pass D. Andy Dalton had success against this team. Taylor Heineke had success throwing the ball. And Jared Goff had success throwing the ball on this team, not only in play action, but just in general. So this Vikings pasty going up against Mike White, who, you know, has a lot of hype built around him, has a very small sample size of games, has the potential to have another really nice game. But that's where I hope and I think Mike White just needs to be himself. He does not need to play hero ball. Yes, the Vikings' pass defense looks like it's incredibly exploitable. But Mike White, you don't have to make the crazy play. Do what you did last game. Your first read's not there. Your second read's not there. Check down. First read's not there. Oh, there's my second read. Boom. Mike White did not force a ball all day. I mean, he didn't really have to against Chicago. They were never really trailing. They were never under any pressure. He was never under duress. But Mike White, you don't need to play hero ball. If you continue to let the def- take, if you continue to take what the defense gives you, play within the offense. I mean, look at Andy Dalton was 20 of 28 for 236 yards, a touchdown, and averaged eight yards per pass attempt. Mike White, if you have a game like that with our defense, we're going to have a chance to win. Don't play hero ball, Mike White. Let this Vikings pass defense hurt themselves and be their own worst enemy. Key number two. Now this Vikings offense, they got Justin Jefferson, they got Adam Thielen, but one name who has really been kind of left out of the conversation ever since Kevin O'Connell took over for Mike Zimmer is Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook is a three-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-NFC, and he's on pace right now for his fourth 1,000-yard rushing season in a row. And this season, he already almost has 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And with Mike Zimmer, everyone saw the Vikings as a run-first, run-oriented team because they didn't think Kirk Cousins really could do it. Now with Kevin O'Connell, things have kind of changed. Dalvin Cook is still a threat. 
And the New York Jets defense has struggled to tackle good running backs all season. And not even good running backs, but mediocre running backs. Against the Bears with David Montgomery and, I mean, Khalil Herbert was hurt. I couldn't even tell you who their second string running back was. And they missed nine tackles. The Jets missed nine tackles against a three-win Chicago Bears team without Justin Fields. What are they doing? That's that's For how good this defense is, that doesn't make any sense. And then if you've been listening to my past episodes about the matchups versus the Patriots, their last one at New England, the Jets missed 11 tackles. Most of them due to Ramondre Stevenson or Johnny Smith just being lazy with arm tackles or trying to get highlight hits with your shoulder and not wrapping up your defender at the weight, the opposing runner at your hips, at their hips or their, or their legs. And I mean, if you look at the number of missed tackles on the season, the position groups are alarming because it's all linebackers and safeties. And it's not like it's LaMarcus Joyner who's playing a more free safety role and isn't playing run support. It's Jordan Whitehead, our strong safety. He has 12 missed tackles. And he's supposed to be a, a run stuffer uh, coming into the box on short yardage situations or against teams that are playing 12 personnel. And he has 12 missed tackles. Quincy Williams, Quinnen Williams' brother, one of our, our starting middle linebackers, has 12 missed tackles as well. And this one kills me. C.J. Mosley, our, our leader, the guy who decided to wear a Bane mask before the Patriots game because he thinks he's so good, he has 11. David Harris never missed 11 tackles in a season. Bart Scott and Jonathan Vilma never missed 11 or 12 tackles in a season. Now, I'm not entirely sure about these numbers, but it's evident. Like, it's surprising for how highly C.J. Mosley is talked about. And he sometimes just doesn't make the plays that an above-average middle linebacker can make. Maybe that's to the credit of how skilled offensive players are now. But as a middle linebacker, that's your job. You have to be the best tackler on the team. You're the last line of defense before the secondary. So the New York Jets have struggled to tackle all year. And as the season progresses, you're practicing less. You're practicing less with pads on. You kind of lose that, that focus and that ability to make sure you're putting body on body and wrapping up, tackling with your legs and not with your upper body. So with how dangerous this Viking passing attack can be, we just have to remember to stay focused on the little details like tackling a running back, gang tackling, tackling properly with the proper form and fundamentals. Because Dalvin Cook is still an elite running back in this NFL, and obviously he's not having the flashiest season, but he can still do a lot of damage. So stopping Dalvin Cook, wrapping up Dalvin Cook is my second key to the game. And I think I know what you I think you guys all know what's next. The trenches. Which kind of takes on new light since I just watched All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a very brutal movie. And does not compare at all to the type of trenches that these guys go through every week. 
But anyway, the third key to the game, and it's always going to be a key to the game, and it's always going to be the difference between a win or a loss, the trenches. So first I want to talk about the Jets' O-line versus the Vikings' front seven, the Vikings' D-line. So the Jets' offensive line gave up a season-low pressures, gave up a season-low quarterback pressures last week against the Chicago Bears. But the Bears also have one of the worst D-lines in football, especially when it comes to rushing the passer. So was last week a fluke? And I think that's a little bit of an unfair question to ask. But I wouldn't hang your hat and expect this line to protect Mike White and be able to run the ball as effectively as they did. Like measure your expectations is what I'm trying to say. Even though George Front, George Fant, George Front, my freaking keyboard autocorrected, George Fant is listed day to day and he's due to come back. If not Sunday, possibly the week after. Max Mitchell, who played against Chicago, even for filling in for injury, is fully healthy as well and will be contributing. So those are two huge additions for the Jets O-line, who need to continue to play nasty and protect Mike White at all costs. Because this Viking front seven is no joke. They have Daniil Hunter, who nearly had a strip sack for a touchdown against the New England Patriots that got called back. He has seven sacks on the season and 45 tackles. And then you got Zadarius Smith, who spent a lot of his career in Green Bay and just recently signed with Minnesota last offseason. He's ninth in the NFL with nine and a half sacks and 33 tackles. And we really haven't seen White extend plays with his feet. It's kind of an unknown commodity when forced under pressure because the Bears didn't really get in his face at all. And with our tackles, I mean, Max Mitchell, rookie, he's going up against two veterans in Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And on the left side, you have Dwayne Brown, who at times really looks his age. It could be a problematic issue if they can't contain or stop Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter. This offensive line, too, to compensate for, you know, maybe not being able to protect Mike White as well and a way to help him get stay more protected is establishing the run. I mean, I say it all the time. This Jets team is at their best offensively when they run the football. And the key to running the football effectively for them is to get to the second level. Get to those linebackers. Blow off the line of scrimmage. Keep your eyes upfield and make contact and hold on to your blocks on guys like Eric Kendricks who struggled to stay healthy his whole career, but is a tackling machine. And has 50 solo tackles this year, when in 2021 he had 63 all of, through the total season. So the Jets just got to play nasty. I mean, this is December football. I mean, the teams that do well in the playoffs, teams that get the Super Bowls, can run the ball at will. And it's time to start showing that the New York Jets can do that. And that all starts with that offensive line. Now I want to talk about the Jets' D-line versus the Vikings' offensive line, which the New York Jets have a are in store for potentially a huge and dominant performance, kind of like what they've been doing all year. But now the stakes are just a little bit higher. So this Viking line is legit. 
on the outside on the left and right tackle spot. But they got some weaknesses from the center in both guard positions. Christian Darisau and Brian O'Neill are the left and right tackles and are very solid players. But you got Ezra Cleveland at left guard, Garrett Bradbury at center, and Ed Ingram at right guard. And they are some of the worst pass protectors in the NFL. Three have combined for 100 pressures, which is the most of any interior offensive line, per Jets X-Factor and Michael Nanya. And they have to go up against Quinn Williams and a healthy Sheldon Rankins? Oof. I mean, give me this matchup all day. Quinn Williams has been the most dominant interior defensive lineman rushing the passer all season. He has nine sacks with a 12.54% pressure rate. And he's been doing damage against 10 out of the 11 best interior offensive lines at limiting pressure in the NFL. That's also per Jets X-Factor and Michael Nanya. So it seems like in every big game the Jets have had, in every big win, this defensive line has came up with a big sack, you know, either in their own territory or in an opponent's territory, but were able to cause some kind of turnover or their pressure in some way was able to force an interception. And the Jets are going to need to do that again. Kirk Cousins cannot be comfortable in the pocket. He cannot have time to sit back, pick you apart, even though he's not the most threatening guy up front. He's still a veteran, very experienced quarterback. He knows the offense well. He is playing confident. He's probably playing some of his best football of his career right now. And they got talented and dangerous weapons on the outside. And they have a tight end now in TJ Hawkinson that is also pretty dangerous. So the Jets need to harass Kirk Cousins at all costs. But it's interesting, too, because Kirk, Kirk Cousins is completing 65% of his passes under pressure. He has 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions, which was surprising to me. And a part of me also wants to say that these numbers might be a little inflated because these teams that pressure, and it's not entirely clear on what – you know, which pressure plays were blitzes or which weren't, how many guys blitzed and how many didn't. But I want to say a lot of those completions come from just, you know, blitzes off the edge, being able to, from the linebacker, being able to find the open man on the hot route. Either way, Cousins knows how to deal with pressure. He's a veteran guy. But has Kirk Cousins dealt with pressure when there's only a four-man front? like this Jets D-line can do, cause absolute havoc without blitzing, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see on Sunday. And if the Jets can continue what they did all been doing all year, getting consistent and constant pressure with only a four-man rush, I think it could be a very long day for Kirk Cousins, even though it's a 1 o'clock game and not a primetime game. But you know, for this team to go far, for this team to make the playoffs – and we call this defense a playoff caliber defense. They're going to have to be like it for this game times 10. Playing on the road in a tough environment. This Jets defense is going to have to make some playoff level, some championship level plays once, maybe twice throughout this game for the Jets to pull out a victory. You know, force punts, force field goals, bend but don't break. That's what this defense is kind of been all season 
And it starts with that defensive line up front. Now for the more fun part of the show, predictions. Are the Jets going to be screwed going into Buffalo? Is Minnesota going to claim the NFC North for the first time in God knows how long? That's what's on the line here. So here are some thoughts that, you know, I've been considering. The Vikings are one of the most dangerous fourth quarter teams in the NFL. They have seven fourth quarter comebacks this season. And they have scored nine touchdowns and seven field goals in the 11 four quarters they've played. However, the New York Jets are also no slouch in the fourth quarter. And one of the narratives about this team is how well they switch gears in the fourth quarter and kind of take it to another level. And with that in mind, it seems like both these teams are a little similar in the, you know, in the sense that with the Vikings playing at home, the Jets playing on the road, that fourth quarter switch, that fourth quarter mentality, just being at home alone really might benefit the Minnesota Vikings. I really don't think this game is going to be a blowout. You know, my, my, in the Jet Up group chat that I've been telling everyone about, I like to ask them every week and add their predictions onto the show. One of my friends thought Mike White was going to throw four touchdown passes. And this is Smallwood. Smallwood thought Mike White was going to throw four touchdown passes in a 28 to 13 New York Jets win. Griffey Guap also has a 24-21 Jets win, and so does Stat and Jeb, another 24-21 Jets win. And I don't think this game's going to be that high scoring. I know the Vikings' pass D is terrible, and I know Mike White has had some great games, but does he really have the ability to throw that score that much on the road and in, in a game like this? I'm not willing to throw house money on that. And I mean, the coin, obviously, it's, you know, 10 and 1 on the season. And that 10 and 1 is pretty good. And the coin predi- originally predicted a W this week. And this would be the first win that sparks our five game winning streak. New York Nation, when he was on the show, predicted a loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, check that. No, he actually predicted a win. New York Nation. The man behind the coin, the man who flipped the coin, predicted a win after predicting a loss against the Chicago Bears. Oh, no. I have that totally wrong. He picked a win against the Chicago Bears. What am, what am I doing? Come on, Jared. You got a show to do here. You got, like, all ten of your listeners trusting you to get this information right. You got to figure it out. But anyway, with the Vikings being one of the best fourth quarter teams in the in the NFL and the Jets being a very formidable team in the fourth quarter, the Vikings have a home field advantage, but they also made Mac Jones look like Tom Brady. And their offense played horribly against top defenses like Philadelphia and Dallas, and the Jets have a better defense than I think the Dallas Cowboys do, and they're right behind Philly in yards per game allowed and the Jets actually rank higher in 
points per game allowed by a defense. And Vegas kind of sees the similarities here too. I mean, Vikings are only a three-point favorite as of December 1st. And they're a minus 150 favorite compared to the Jets plus 130. So this game is going to be very close. And and the spread is 44.5. So it's not going to be that crazy of a high-scoring game. I mean, it's projecting both teams to get somewhere around 20 points each. But I don't know if I see it that way. Mike White going in a hostile playoff environment. And obviously, everyone's been talking all week about how cool and 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 calm he is and reassuring he is in the huddle and how he is great in tangibles. But this is going to be a real test for him. A real, real test. And I I pray every night that he can go out there and play a great game and do everything he can to get the Jets to win and put them in a position at the end of the game to be successful. And hopefully he executes. But like I was with Zach Wilson before he got benched, I don't know if I'm entirely ready to just – I'm as, as fun as Mike White's been for every Jet fan out there who was so sold on this man being the Messiah. Relax. You're getting your hopes up. You're ready. You're, you're trying to get hurt. We're a sensitive group. We can't keep jumping back into that toxic relationship. Got to take some time. Actually see if that person's changed. But you know at the end of the day they haven't changed. And it kind of like just sounds that I, that I should just leave and not be a Jets fan anymore. But I can't do that. There's some sick twisted shit going on in my head and I can't leave this team alone. I need to have the faith. So I predict that the Jets are going to win 16 to 13 in Minnesota. Robert Sala is going to get his first huge road December win. And those baby Jets are going to take a small step toward the playoffs. And win or lose, it's still not certain if this Jets team will just end the suffering.